Inspiration is very humbly understanding that you're gifted and you're put here for a reason. Hmm. And it's a very short span. And so the opportunity to trans help people transform into who they are created to be. Um, that's my inspiration. And, and I've just, you know, over 30 some odd years of telling stories, I've just discovered that as soon as I got out of my own way, people's lives really were made better. They really did transform. They found defining moments. They made decisions um, that were life-changing. And so how can you not want to do that? From cave drawings to family histories to stories around the fire, humans crave order among chaos, connection amid isolation. So we tell stories. Our mission at the Storytellers Network is to bring the art of story to the masses. Whether you're in marketing, you're an entrepreneur, or you're developing your own personal brand, telling your story effectively can make the difference between celebrating milestones and collecting unemployment. The Storytellers Network strives to help storytellers tell their stories so you can learn from the best. Now, your host, the inbound evangelist himself, Dan Moyle. And welcome to the Storytellers Network. I am Dan Moyle, your host, the inbound evangelist himself. And I'm so glad you're joining me today uh, because in today's episode, we hear from the author of, of two number one Amazon bestsellers, but also many other books. Uh, but his bestsellers are, are Faith Positive in a Negative World that he wrote with Mike Van Branken, uh, and also The Work Positive in a Negative World, which is a great one for, for the work side of things. Um, and like I said, a few others. He's got you know, seven books out there. So definitely a storyteller. He also actually, and the reason he's on season two of the Storytellers Network, he has a uh, a podcast called Faith Positive Radio, and it's an inspirational uh, podcast. And and I wanted to dig into to my friend Dr. Joey Fawcett's story, so he agreed, and he's on this episode, and I'm excited about it. And so uh, on today's episode, uh, Joey shares with you, the Storytellers Network audience, his storytelling craft, where it started, some uh, successes, some stumbles, his his whole world of storytelling. And I'm excited for that. Now, before we do get into today's conversation, just a quick reminder to find us online at our website for more, uh, more resources, help you tell your story better, how to contact us to go back to previous episodes. That's all at thestorytellersnetwork.com. And if you like what we're doing here at the Storytellers Network, please consider leaving us a review over on Apple Podcasts uh, or on Stitcher, Google Play, or whatever, on Facebook. Uh, we appreciate those reviews very much. So without further ado, let's get to the stories. So there's the intro. There's my friend, Joey, uh, Dr. Fawcett. Uh, <laughs> uh, just Joey, man. Joey, it's good to have you here, man. I appreciate you taking the time today. Dan, what a blessing and a privilege to be on with you, man. And, and you know, in, in my intro, I called you friend. And, uh, and, and oh, I'm, I feel, feel very blessed to, to call you that. Um, but I'm also a listener, uh, the Faith Positive Radio. Uh, I'm a reader. Your book, uh, as I mentioned, Faith Positive and Negative World. Um, mm, thank just, you. Just great stories. I mean, you are a storyteller to me. So Yes, yes. So let's start where I like to kind of let everybody know that storytellers can be anywhere and improve that by figuring out where are you right now? Hmm. Where am I right now? Yeah. Like where am I standing or (laughs) (laughs) geographically Geographically speaking, I'm in South central Virginia. Uh, So, and in case you didn't pick up on the accent, I, I'm not from Michigan like you. So I, (laughs) 
<laughs> but I but I do have family from Michigan, so uh, so yeah, I'm standing in South Central Virginia. Excellent. So is that uh, coal mining country? Is now that all of Virginia or no? Now you got a little further west. We're uh, sort of a red clay, sandy, loamy soil mixture, so we're not quite as hard as the mountain folks. Gotcha. Uh, so, you, so you got family in Michigan? I don't think I, I realized that. Where's Yeah, my wife's great-grandfather was a founding dean of the School of Engineering at the University of Michigan. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, they've got like a bronze bust, uh, the building's named after him, unless somebody gave a few more million dollars and got it named after themselves. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so we, we got that. And uh, so, yeah, got, right. got roots in big blue. Excellent. Uh, so you, you, I'm going to go ahead and go on a limb here and say that you consider yourself a storyteller, right? I've been accused of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where, did, where does that start for you? Can you th- pick a, a spot where kind of like you realized mm-hmm. you were or just kind of it began? Yeah, a couple of significant things. First of all, I was fortunate enough to be born in the South. <laughs> and uh, we, we tell stories, man. It's like you come out of the womb telling stories. And so I grew up around um, dinner tables on Sunday, listening to my grandparents tell family stories. And you knew, it was almost like you could number them, like, oh, granddaddy's telling story number 32, <laughs> you know, because you, you just heard these things over and over and over. But then there's always, I call it the, the front porch storytelling. Um, I mean, we would just sit around and tell story after story, story. And of course, every story has uh, characters, right? And our family was blessed on both sides. <laughs> <laughs> they had lots of characters. So uh, I just love listening to stories. And then the first story I remember gaining any recognition for at all was in third grade. And my mom actually still has this. Um, I wrote a story about Martians and it, I illustrated it myself. And, and it, it's a good thing I didn't try to make a living being an artist, <laughs> but I was a pretty good storyteller. And so uh, those are my first two memories, just being geographically blessed to grow up in the South where people tell stories. Uh, and then secondly, in third grade, remembering um, Ms. Randolph gave me an opportunity to write a story and I did. And, and, and where did that parlay into professional side of it? Did you just always tell stories and knew that's what you want to do when you grew up? You know, it's crazy that people will actually pay you money to listen to you tell stories. <laughs> right. It was the craziest thing you'd, you'd ever heard of. Um, well, I grew up with this great love of literature. Uh, reading came naturally to me. So just getting exposed to, to so many classic authors through the years, which means that I had some language arts teachers through the years who were just absolutely amazing and seeded into my life in ways that I can't even begin to express enough gratitude for even today, all these years later. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in, I, I guess the, the pivot point for me, to your point, was uh, in fifth grade, Ms. Anderson walked up to me and said, Joey, I want you to, our, our local optimist club is having an oratorical contest. I want you to enter it. And uh, I said, okay, but what kind of ball do oratories play with? You know, I, I'm thinking, you know, it's a contest. I'm going to shoot or, or something. She says, no, you make speeches. And I said, oh, no, ma'am, I can't do that. I, I'm way too shy for that. And she said, uh, no, yes, you can. And I've already talked to your mom. And first rehearsal was like the next week or something. So, I, mom, what'd you do to me? So I discovered then because there was the Toastmasters Club, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
was the one who was coaching us in how to, how to give these speeches and participate in this oratorical contest. Uh, so by the time it was over, I'm in fifth grade now competing against high school students. Wow. And I, I won third place. And basically what I did was just tell stories about pivotal life experiences. And so it, it was just, it just incredible. So Miss, Ms. Anderson, you know, she'll be one of those five people I meet in heaven, I'm sure, because she's seeded into my life. And now people pay me obscene amounts of money to stand on platforms <laughs> and write books and things like that. Just yeah. built with stories. <clears throat> And, and is oral kind of still your favorite way or is it depend on what you're, what you're telling? Um, actually, I think I'm a much better storyteller in written form. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I wouldn't say much better. I think I'm a better storyteller in written form. I mean, I've written seven books, contributed to a couple others, and they're all story-based. Entrepreneur Magazine published um, the predecessor to the book you held up there a moment ago, Work Positive in a Negative War. And one of the things that the editor said to me was people are going to read this book cover to cover. And I said, well, that's pretty cool. You mean they don't read all books? Because <laughs> I mean, I'm a voracious reader, right? I read them cover to cover. She said, no, particularly with business books, if somebody buys a business book, if they do open it, rarely do they get past the third chapter, but you've written in a style that's very easy to read and there's story after story after story. So it'll really engage the reader and go on. One of the cool things about writing stories is you go back and rewrite. Of course, that's where the real work of writing is. Anyway, anybody can throw words on a page, but it's the, it's the flow and, and thinking about what's going to best communicate with my readers. It's going to capture their attention and, that's the fewest number of words I can use. And obviously sometimes when I'm oral, I use a lot of words. So. <laughs> I'm guilty of the same thing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I do get tone and inflection when I'm, when I'm oral. So yeah. I, I think that's pretty cool. Uh, and for me, like as a storyteller, I love, I love the idea of writing and being um, thoughtful and deliberate, all these things. And then as a presentation in front of an audience, I love that immediate feedback. Oh man. Yeah. You know? You're just immediately engaged with your audience and you you can figure out, in fact, I've gone back and edited stories in books, right? Because you field test them and whatever engages, when do they laugh? How long do you pause? Those kinds mm-hmm. of things. Yeah, that's, that's what I love to do. Yeah, that's a lot of fun. And, and, and so what I love about your book then too, as I read Faith Positive in a Negative World, um, mm-hmm. I, I, I mentioned it to you, I think either via Twitter and a conversation, I said, I love the parables. Mm. And I recognize some of them, of course, as a, as a faith guy, mm. I recognize right, those. Right. Do, do you use parables purposefully in that way? Or is that just a natural thing because of your storytelling background? Well, this guy over my shoulder right here is my hero when it comes to telling stories. Mm-hmm. Um, boy, he was a master at it. So mm-hmm. I, I think most stories are just recreation of previous stories. It's just you're putting your own spin on them. So one of the cool things is that you can take a parable and cast it into modern day terms. For instance, in the Faith Positive book, we pretty much pull the covers back and say, you know, we're Christian. But in the Work Positive book, not so much. It's more undertone. So in the Work Positive book, as in the Faith Positive book, we actually begin with the parable of the talents, right? This is about Linda, a business owner and three employees, and she gives, she's going on vacation. And so she gives each of them X number of dollars to invest while she's gone for a year and then she returns and you know the punchline to that story right mm-hmm. so uh one of the guys winds up getting fired so you can take parables like that which really contain massive truths in a story that captures your imagination and you can really uh help someone grow and develop themselves um, which is far more engaging than you know strategy one strategy two strategy three 
So I have, of course, a list of questions, but I'm throwing them out at this point because I'm just, I'm, I'm enthralled by this uh, and where this is going. So um, when it comes to telling stories, that's what we're talking about right here. But then right. on your show, you help others share their story. Yeah. So how does, how does that connect from being a storyteller to a, <clears throat> I don't know if it's a story promoter or a, I don't know what you'd call it, a, a moderator? Hmm. I really named myself that. I like to release the stories in other people. Um, it, because even though I'm a storyteller and even though I tell a lot of stories about my life experiences, none of those stories are about me. They are about me simply because there has to be a circumstance, there has to be a character, there's a plot. But the whole point of telling these stories is for you to place yourself in the story. And so with whom do you identify the, the strife, the struggle, or whatever it is that the character's going through? So when I'm telling you about a story, I'm giving you just enough detail to move the story forward, but my point is to engage you in the story. So because it's not about me, it's really, really easy for me to slip on, the, on your side of the mic, right? And interview people from around the world like yourself who... Um, express their faith in their work and see their work as an exercise in faith and just ask questions to release their story. And in fact, <laughs> you'd be intrigued with this. One of the uh, pushbacks that we get, you know, of course we work with interview valet and some other companies who place guests and they're coming looking to tell their story. But then there are other people who we connect with on social media, primarily LinkedIn, who when invited go, Oh man, I don't have anything to say. It's interesting. <laughs> And, and so you, you just begin talking to them about, well, what experiences have you had? And you know, has this ever happened? Oh, yeah. I said, well, just come on, talk about that. And so 99.9% .9 of our guests on Faith Positive Radio, when the thing's over and we push stop and the recording's done, they use the word fun. Well, that was fun. Why is it fun, Dan? Because you're releasing their stories. And, and we hear ourselves in their stories. And, and I say to myself, hey, if Dan did that, if Joey did that, Hey, maybe I can too. Yeah. <clears throat> release the, release the stories. That's a, mm. that should be a meme, like a Kraken thing. Right. So, so if I, if I, you know, were to, were to picture us sitting around a campfire, um, sure. you know, having a, you know, an adult beverage or a cup of coffee or, you know, whatever. Um, Depends on what time of day it is. Right. 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 <laughs> I, I mean, I really picture you being not just a storyteller, but that, but that again, the, kind of that story moderator, like telling mm. a story and building on one and say, Oh, have you thought about this? Is that, is that a storytelling skill or is that just kind of a natural thing for us as humans? I mean, where does that come from? Or is that just a Joey thing? <laughs> oh, no, brother. It's not just a Joey thing. Um, Okay, I'm a Christian, and so when you ask that question, my first thought is, it's because it comes out of his story. Mm. And our stories all fit together in his story, and in this massive cosmic-sized heart mm. that knits us all together and binds us all with one another. I mean, there's that image and likeness within us that belongs to divinity, and it ties us together. Stories give expression to mm. that connection. And the best stories really get you in the soul. I mean, they pull you right there at the soul. And, and so you're watching a story and it jerks a tear or it makes you laugh or something. Those are really spiritual exercises. So if you think about the word history, it's his story. So the only point in telling any story is to point to his story. And that's the common human experience. It's our wows. It's our woes. It's our plights. It's our triumphs. Um, 
and and so all of our stories are part of his story. So it's not again, it's not about Joey's story, even though I tell stories about myself and my experiences. But it's not about me. It's it's me being transparent with my human experience enough to where you can see the source of all of the human experience. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the wows and the woes and the the, the fabric of us together. I think that's mm. um, I think that really does tell tell the story of storytelling. Mm. I use that word a lot. Um, what, so so connection. Um, movement within us that 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 spiritual connection is what we love about stories you and I both I think are on that page mm-hmm. what on the other side of that what is a, a challenge with storytelling maybe that that kind of makes it an obstacle for you a couple of things for me when I began telling stories um, first of all was to to realize that people really did want to hear stories I had to tell mm-hmm. um, because you know who am I I'm, I'm no more special than anybody else. Why should anybody care about me and my stories? And, and what I quickly realized was what I just said, that while I might be telling a story about myself, it's not really about me. It's about my human experience and where other people can tag in with their human experience. So I make sure that there are breadcrumbs dropped in every story that lead you to the bakery at the end of the story, right? <laughs> So that you can find not just a loaf, but a <laughs> whole bunch of trucks of, of, of bread. Um, so the second thing that's a challenge for me is getting out of my own way, because being as human as I am, uh, I, I do egotistically begin to think at some point, hey, this really is about me. And those are my stupid moments, you know, when I, <laughs> I lose sight of who I really am, when I lose sight of my proper identity. And I begin thinking I'm an island into myself. So as a storyteller, you just really want to stay out of your own way um, and let the story speak through you, um, tangentially about you, but always, always, always keeping your focus on the fact that the whole point behind telling the story is to hook somebody in the soul. And to do it with humility. That's what I hear, hear you saying, humility. Because yeah, it's right. not about me. There's a, there's a bigger power at play there. Yeah, and I, I keep people around me who go with me places when I'm on platforms and what have you telling stories. And, you know, they they have full permission, besides my wife. You know? <laughs> <laughs> they don't need permission. When I said I do, I, you know, gave her permission. But, um, you know, I have, I have a trusted advisor that, that we travel together. And, and if he hears me making it about me, we talk about it. Uh, Proverbs 27, 10, 17, right? As iron sharpens iron. I mean, it's yeah, so huge. You know, the message translation talks about a friend sharpening a friend. Yeah. And I really like that because if I, uh, if I love you enough, Dan, I'm going to be your friend and I'm going to call out the best in you, which is really my definition of accountability is putting just enough pressure on you to bring out the best in you. And, and do you th- that, and I mean, that's, that's huge for, for people to have, but is that in particular important? Do you think for storytellers to have that trusted advisor? Hmm. Oh Yeah. Because it's like you hear yourself, right? But then for someone else to hear you, it comes from a different lens. Hmm. And it really removes the ego. But if your whole point of telling stories is to hook somebody in the soul, it's not about you, then you want to tell a story in a way that hooks them in the soul most effectively. Mm-hmm. And so you need that collaboration is the way I think about it. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I love the idea of collaboration. I'm I'm not, I'm never the smartest person when I walk into a room so I can learn from somebody. I can work with somebody. They can 
you know, I, I think collaboration is huge. There are times to go be alone and do your thing. Sure. But yeah, that collaboration is huge. Um, if I am the smartest person in the room, I leave the room. <laughs> <laughs> There's not a bunch of people I want to be around. <laughs> <laughs> just, just saying, brother. <laughs> do you, so, so you're an accomplished author, obviously a speaker. Um, but to get back to your, to your Faith Positive Radio, the podcast, is, mm-hmm. is podcasting the newest and best way to tell a story? Is it just another one? Like what drew you to podcasting? Um, well, I came in kicking and screaming, um, <laughs> so it wasn't my first choice. I started in what we now call terrestrial radio uh, mm-hmm. broadcasting when I was about 16 or 17 years old, and within six months of beginning, had the number one rated afternoon drive show. I, I would get out of high school, you know, finish class, drop my brother off at home, and then head out to the radio station. And then I'd be the guy that you'd listen to coming home. Obviously, I have a face for radio, so that was pretty convenient. <laughs> Nobody had to look at me. I apologize to those of you who are watching. You really could listen. Um, <laughs> but, uh, it, and, and so I, I just became engaged then. Later in life, had a syndicated radio show with some really, uh, you know, really great people who took my show and convinced other people to put it on their station. And then convinced advertisers that they could swap out for our show and and it really worked well for a while but what i began noticing was that fewer and fewer people as digital media increased uh fewer and fewer people were listening to terrestrial radio Mm. and so suddenly the revenue stream you know that's one metric but then other metrics had to do with the number of stations we were on listeners we were on and the marketplace just became so much more competitive because there were fewer people listening therefore the competition was greater for dollars and so what I quickly observed was that it was a diminishing point of return, not just financially, but also influence wise. So it was at that point that um, it was around that time, I think, no, this was prior to, uh, we actually start the, the syndicated, the radio show was syndicated. So we were on all across the country and in a few Canadian stations. So, but because of the diminishing returns, I began noticing that digital media was increasing and, you know, podcasting really had two waves. It came out, uh, what in the early 2000s, mid 2000s, something like that. Mm-hmm. And, and there was all this pop around it and then it died off and blogs became all the rage and then um, it's come back. And so what I discovered was the same skill set that we used with terrestrial radio, which my show was a, on terrestrial radio was a short form. It was 60 seconds and I told a story mm-hmm. and um, so that was pretty cool. So we just brought that over into podcasting and then discovered um, that you could use podcasting to advertise. So when the Work Positive book came out, Entrepreneur Magazine published that, we discovered that, you know, there's a nice large market in being a guest out there. Now, unfortunately, Tom and Karen hadn't created Interview Valet. And <laughs> <laughs> so I, I didn't have a place. Uh, we'll there you go. There, yeah, there you go. That's it. <laughs> it. <laughs> so uh, yeah. I didn't have a place to go to say, hey, put me on shows. But what I did discover was once you're on a few, then other people heard about you. And and then so you know, there was this whole wrestling going on with me. Hey, Joey, if you can be a guest on these shows, you could actually have your own show. And and I just pushed back and resisted because I didn't have time to learn more stuff, you know, like this. And, and uh, pretty soon, you know, God's bigger than me. <laughs> and, and I can resist for a while, but it's kind of like the Borg, you know, resistance is futile. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> finally, I, I hung up from a call on, and this is going to sound slightly egotistical, probably sound very egotistical, but I, I hung up from being interviewed on a show and the thought occurred to me, whether it came from within me or from on high, 
you carried that conversation. In fact, that would have been the dullest podcast in the world had it been left to that host. <laughs> and, and you carried it. Now, I know that's audacious and egotistical, but it was just a realization, a pivot point for me, a defining moment. And I said, well, maybe I can do this. And so then I began studying podcasting. And it gave me an opportunity to allow other people to tell their story. Because my initial pushback was, man, you know, who wants to sit and listen to me? for 30 minutes or whatever. Mm -hmm. And that's when this whole notion of interviewing guests came along. And, um, and Tom Schwab from interview valet really helped me in terms of embracing some technology like you're using here that is just so user friendly. Mm -hmm. So we've been off to the races now that faith positive radio has been on for three years. It's transitioned from audio only to video and audio now. And we've got people in over 50 countries listening. So it, mm -hmm. it's way cool. That's incredible. And and one of the things that I hear from that for, for the listeners is uh, the encouragement to um, grow, to evolve and stay relevant and change with the times as things change, look for other avenues to tell your story. Yeah. Cause it's not about me. It's about how I can get stories out there best. Where are people moving and going? How are they accessing stories? Yeah. And if they're accessing it through podcasting, that's where we want to be. I don't know what the next great thing is, but we'll, we'll discover that when we get there. Yeah. Uh, Alexa briefs. That's, that's the next thing. Um, <laughs> oh, is it? Okay. That's what I, that's what I hear. I wear boxers. I don't wear uh, briefs. <laughs> <laughs> other, other Alexa. Um, so how do you, so, so we, we talked about different media, different media platforms, different media right. um, mm -hmm. platforms. How does all of that, all that media out there in the world, the different ways to tell stories, how does that affect the craft of storytelling? Do you think? Wow, that's an incredible question. How does it affect it? Well, I'm always looking to, to multi-purpose content. Hmm. And so I don't think a book, I think a series of books. Um, I don't think just a book. I think a book and a coaching program. Um, I, just, I don't think just a coaching program. I think a book, a coaching program, and a podcast to market it. So... For me, it's really challenging to separate all the media. I, I take advantage again of where people are. What are they doing? Oh, they wanna watch YouTube videos? Okay, we'll produce coaching programs that are video based. If they're reading Kindle books, Audible books, I've narrated all my Audible, all my Audible books, so you know, we'll do that. If, um, if they're watching podcasts, listening to podcasts, we'll do that. And, and do you think that any, all, any of the, that media negatively impacts the craft of storytelling, like attention spans or the shiny object syndrome kind of a thing, or is it all evolving? Yeah, yeah I probably, man, I'm probably not the right one to ask about that because I tend not to get on the soapbox and rail against what could be mm -hmm. or the good old days. You know, some people will talk to me about the good old days. Don't you miss radio and all this kind of stuff. And they want to talk about the good old days. I'm like, well, you know, if you don't talk about the good old days, I'm just going to say I like right now because we have indoor plumbing. So I'm good bathroom indoors <laughs> and we have air conditioning in the summer. I love now, but uh, in, in terms of the way all these things translate, it affects the way we tell stories because you got to tell them faster. I discovered that back in 1999 when um, listen to life, the syndicated radio show started. Um, 60 seconds, man, you were in and out, right? Short form vignettes, we called them. And, and people, that's how we got it syndicated. It was short, it was pithy. People listened to it and they got so much out of it. So 
when it came time to write books, we made sure we wrote books that were um, not necessarily short, but written to be read in snippets. So for instance, that book you're holding up is around 200 pages or a little over. Yep. But it's written, you know how it's written in sections. There are five sections plus an introduction. And then within those sections are three chapters. And within each chapter, you read from bold face to bold face, you know, a, a headline. So you can read it really quickly. We have call out boxes in there. I call them coaching boxes, but the publisher calls them call out boxes, you know, with a question there for you to ponder. So you can, in the course of 60 seconds, read a story with some application to your business life. And there's a question for you to ponder. So I, I'm not going to rail against, you know, ADHD or, or you know, spit and sputter kind of reading or accessing information today. I'm just going to adapt my form to however people are interacting with stories. And that's the way we'll do it. Cause I'm not here to judge. I'm here to tug on people's souls. And, and, and interesting that it's back in 99, you discovered the 60 second attention span that hasn't really changed. It's still that, I mean, it hasn't, no. you know, people talk about six seconds and like, sure, you got to grab their attention, but it's always been a headline uh, society. I, I Absolutely. Like. Which Absolutely. is fine. Like, yeah. Yep. Yep. It just you have to hone your skills a little bit as a storyteller, don't you? Well, it makes you use fewer words. And and again, there's the real work is in editing down, mm -hmm. summarizing and, and finding word pictures that are Velcro and really mm -hmm. stick with people. Uh, so does, does Joey have an inspiration when you're getting ready to do a story? <laughs> do you, do you, I, I, I start with, so Full disclosure, when I when I sat down before this show uh, uh -huh. launched back in December now or November of last year, mm -hmm. um, I, I wanted to hear from storytellers if they had a muse, as it were, right? Because yeah. um, you, you see that like in the old movies or whatever, and you think, man, if only I had that creativity. But, but I found so far over the course of uh, a dozen and a half interviews, oh, nobody does. <laughs> like, nobody How's that working out for you, buddy? Yeah. <laughs> But, but what I have found, though, is it's the idea of what gets you writing, right? Is it, is it mm -hmm. the consistency? Is it a goal? Is it um, you know, talent from God? Is it something else? So, so mm -hmm. I, I want to know from you, so many books you have, you, know, you said seven books, right? Um, yeah. you know, what is it that drives that? Where does that, where does that inspiration come from? Or where does the mm. um, process of it come from? Mm. Well, let me address the inspiration. Inspiration is very humbly understanding that you're gifted and you're put here for a reason. Mm. And it's a very short span. And so the opportunity to trans help people transform into who they are created to be. Um, that's my inspiration. And, and I've just, you know, over 30 some odd years of telling stories, I've just discovered that as soon as I got out of my own way, people's lives really were made better. They really did transform. They found defining moments. They made decisions um, that were life-changing. And so how can you not want to do that? And, and it just sucks me in. And, and I just immediately sit down and start thinking about who's going to be reading this, who's going to be listening to this, who's going to be watching this. And it's for them that I write that and deadlines really help me a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you on that one. <laughs> yeah, I, I self-impose deadlines and, and I start to fritz out when I get a little behind. So yeah. uh, 
move it forward, man. Do you have any kind of a, um, I struggle with the word, a tradition or a, a particular path you take in order to put pen to paper or get ready for storytelling in some way? Oh, yeah, yeah. I have a daughter who's a far better storyteller than I am. She went to Hollins University, which has one of the top 10 creative writing programs in the country. And she actually won her junior year, their fiction award. So she's got what you can't teach. You know, she, she just got it. So she's one who searches for muse and, <laughs> you know, I didn't feel like writing today and all that kind of stuff. Dad, how do you get around writer's block? And I said, well, basically it's a two-step process. Step one, put your butt in the chair. Step two, start writing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a yep. simple man. <laughs> mm-hmm. that, that's the, that's the process. Um, and, and even if the words don't make sense when they first start coming out, as I've said, I think this is the third time now the real work is in the rewriting mm-hmm. um, and just get them out there, get started and then go back and, and fix it, you know, find the voice, find what this story really is trying to say and, and just tighten it up. Tighten it up. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So what's your uh, favorite story? Oh, man. I see what my people go through when I ask them about their favorite now. <laughs> um, but I, but I, did, I did read your list of questions, so I did think about this a little bit. <laughs> my, my favorite story is the one about the Good Samaritan. Because mm. uh, it, it has an O. Henry-esque kind of ending. Uh, the, the guy that, and of course it works a lot better with the original audience, but the guy that everybody would least suspect to be the hero, you know, is the hero. It's like the unhero, right? And he actually wins and gets it right. And, and, and so he's the, he's the champion. And I love that because I love underdog stories, but the, with the good Samaritan story. And also because he's sticking it to the, <laughs> to the, aristocratic yes. you know, self uh, <laughs> self-centered kind of folk uh, who, who don't understand what it means. The joy that the privilege that you have in helping somebody who's stuck in a ditch. Oh, absolutely. And that's, yeah, that's the joy that you derive from it. When, yeah. I get and, so much more from giving than I, than I ever got from getting. Oh, I, yeah. I really do. And that's right. part of what drives me. And, and if that story was written today, the good Samaritan, uh, mm-hmm. how, how would that writer, uh, get it out in the world today? Would well, I have a chance? I actually did write that story. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's in the work positive and I think it's in the faith positive in a negative world book too. And, um, and so it's in, it's in that book. It's, uh, I'm sure it's in a video somewhere that we've done. Um, and, and again, it's, you gotta think multiple, you don't have to. But I think if you want to be an effective storyteller and impact the most people to hook their souls and help them release their best selves, you really got to think multimedia. You, you just, you can't think just the book. Mm-hmm. You have to think the audio book. You have to think some sort of video interpretation. You have to think podcasting to talk about it, to entice people to read it. So, And is it a matter of uh, patience too? I mean, overnight success doesn't actually happen overnight, right? Um, well, anybody tells you it does a lie to you about other things too. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I I love telling the story about Jerry Seinfeld. The first time he stood up to do stand up comedy, he forgot all his lines and they boot him off the stage. Uh, first TV show he attempted. Yeah. I don't, I don't even know if he got past the pilot. 
uh, Alabama, the country music group played down at the Bowery, actually heard them once uh, in, in Myrtle Beach for 12 years in relative obscurity. Mm-hmm. But what you're doing, and Malcolm Gladwell really talks about this a lot, what you're doing is you're just practicing. You're just building up hours. It, mm-hmm. It's like he discovered 10,000 hours, you know, so now everybody talks about apprenticeships, 10,000 hours. What you're doing is honing your craft. So, you know, just, just get out there and keep doing it. Don't worry about whether or not you're going to make a million dollars the next day. Just go do it. Keep getting better at what you do. Watch the people. And there's the beauty of being a platform speaker. You know, you get that live interaction. Uh, watch the people, see what hooks them, what engages them. Get yourself in front of as many people as you can telling stories. And then just keep going. Hone your craft. Become the best storyteller you can possibly be. And then one day people will find you. And you want to predispose yourself to being in front of people, but also writing books and podcasts like this and as many places as you can. I mean, it could be the best story ever told, but if it's in a, it's on your hard drive and your computer and nobody's got access to it, it what good does it do? Mm-hmm. Don't, don't be afraid of that, right? Get it out there. Oh, oh my goodness. If you're afraid of rejection, you know, get a therapist or something or get a big dog. <laughs> get a big dog. <laughs> Sick him, boy. Uh, That's right. <laughs> so I, mean, I, I could wallpaper walls in here with rejection letters I've gotten. It, it would be, I could probably do your house. <laughs> do you, do you keep those as fodder for like, look at, I, look at who said no once. <laughs> I, I did for the longest time. Of course, people don't write letters anymore, right? Oh, that's true. Um, <laughs> but but uh, emails on a hard drive or something. I, I used to keep those until the file of letters from people saying they appreciated what I was doing got bigger than the rejection letters. And then I was like, why am I focusing on the negative? Let me focus on the positive. So I just got rid of them. Focus on the positive. That's, That's good. It, man. I, I'd like to think someday that those whom I've invited on the show that said, no, not this time, not right now, will someday look back and go, man, I could have been on the ground floor. <laughs> so, right. so I get it. Um, well, it's, it's their choice, you know, whatever, oh, yeah. they, oh, yeah. whatever they want to do. And let's face it, Dan, you only want people who are motivated and want to be here. You don't want somebody to get drug in here and think they're doing you a favor, right? Oh, yeah. So uh, whether, whether you're working with uh, huge corporations, whether you're, mm-hmm. you're talking to somebody huge on your show, whether it's the sure. seven books that you've put, mm-hmm. I look at you, at, at, at Dr. Joey Fawcett, as somebody who's made it in the world of storytelling. Oh, I don't know about all that, man. Do you, <laughs> uh, do you ever kind of, have you ever looked around at some point or has something ever happened where you kind of went, okay, you know, I'm no longer... Um, wishing that I was a, a storyteller, I actually am, or a writer, or whatever that success looks like for you. Has that point ever come for you? Um, you know, hmm. and and not yeah. that not that you're done. Like not that okay, I've made it. I retire. Right. I'm right. out. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. My wife says I'll never retire, uh, <laughs> and it's and it's not about the money. Trust me. Um, it, it's more about the jazz. Mm-hmm. You know, again, of hooking people in the soul. Um, I guess, I guess I'll, I'll tell you about two events. When Work Positive in a Negative World, which was my sixth book, back to your patience thing, right? Five <laughs> books written previous. Uh, and some of them sold quite well. Uh, I mean, one, one book sold 10,000 copies. You know, that was a big deal. Wow. Uh, but when the Work Positive in a Negative World book hit number one on Amazon, not just once or twice, but like nine or 10 times. And I mean, I had worked my butt off to make it happen. Um, all sorts of interviews and things like this. I mean, I've 
been on radio interviews in just about every major market, right? And and when that happened, I did kind of take a breath because that's almost like winning the Super Bowl or winning the NCAA basketball tournament or the World Series or something like that. And and so you do want to take a breath and smile and and celebrate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, we did it. Yeah, that that's great. I Is didn't it a- stay there very long because my 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 question was now what? Yeah, you know, what's the next book? Because man, people read your book or they listen to a podcast and they're like, okay, what have you done lately? You know, what's your next podcast? Uh, mm-hmm. what, what's your next uh, book going to be? You, you should start another podcast about da 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 da. Yeah, maybe I should. <laughs> Why don't you do that? That's a great idea. <laughs> Is it important? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's a good one. Um, is it important to celebrate those milestones? Yeah. Cause that's, um, there's this fine line where you're celebrating without, um, really becoming egotistical about it. You know, I, I don't know that I necessarily want to do an end zone dance, um, (laughs) but at the same time, it's, it's a recognition that you have been a blessing to others. At least it is for me. I need to talk about it that way. It's a blessing to me to know that I, I have helped other people. I am helping other people and that somebody's recognized that help because again, it's not about me, but that, that sort of fulfillment, that uh, meaning, that purpose, that satisfaction that you get. Yeah. You always want that. I think. Yeah. Um, how, so you got, you got to that point six or five books your sixth one finally you, you got you got a, a milestone and don't say it that way like it what? Fine. <laughs> <laughs> well but you also you know like i mean like i said I mean, on radio you had a syndicated show I mean, you talk about national sure. syndication that's huge to me so oh is it how, okay <laughs> what is you can't give the obviously the full journey but but how do you get there like what is a couple of what are a couple of what is a couple man i'm good um yeah, what, okay. what are a couple of things that, that kind of you look back now and say that's how i got there Hmm. Hmm. Man, that's a great question. Uh, but I told a story about Ms. Anderson. Mm-hmm. Um, she saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. And there've been a lot of people, you know, it's like my team, my posse, um, <laughs> they, they have seen in me what I didn't see in myself and they have spoken into those abilities and they've said, Hey, you, you, you really do this. Well, you appear to be in your element. You look like you're having fun when you do that. You know, that, that, that's one that I listen for. And so, um, I, I would say that there are people along the way who have just stepped forward in courage and said more to me than they ever know. I, I, some years ago, much to my chagrin, I waited too many years, tried to find Ms. Anderson just to thank her and she was gone. Um, so I, I missed that opportunity, but I look forward to thanking her one day. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's, yeah, it's those kinds of people who have really seen in me more than I saw in myself. And so that's life giving. And, and I try to do that with other people. I go out of my way to find somebody who does a great job at something, you know, wherever I am, uh, whatever I'm doing, I just try to waitress in a restaurant. Um, you know, anybody, if, if they're doing a great job, I make sure I reward them. It's the waitress with an unusually large tip. Hey, you'll appreciate this. My, one of my credit card companies 
<laughs> sent me this email and, and they had the receipt there, right? And, and showed it and said, we just want to make sure you meant to give a tip this large. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, okay, so uh, I've been really generous, even extravagant. So, but I mean, just doing those kinds of things for people that, that like people did for me that have mm. helped me reach whatever level of success I am today. Um, reach back and help others, right? Yeah, because it's not about me. That's a, that's a good way to get somewhere is to help others. I, I like, mm. I don't know if it's kind of a Zig Ziglar, but it's, you know, help more of those around you and you'll receive the benefit kind of thing. A rising tide lifts all boats. Like there's a bunch of ways to say it, but yeah, Zig always said, help other people get everything they want. You'll get everything you want. That's what it was. Yep. Yeah. I should have wrote it down first. <laughs> no, no, man, um, awesome. Yeah. That's a, Tom has a podcast by the way, and they do a really good job. Yeah. Uh, the host, Kevin or co-host Kevin Miller, um, is on uh, season two oh, of, sweet. of the storytellers network. So yeah, I, I yeah, awesome. I'm see there again. That's where I look around. You know, I haven't, I haven't arrived by any means, but I look around now and I think, man, I get to talk to the Ziggler show host. I get to talk to, to you. I get to talk to, um, you know, musicians. Uh, I just interviewed somebody from season one, not too long ago that used to manage bands in Hollywood and play. He played bass at Johnny Depp's nightclub. Oh, sweet. Just things like that where it's like, man, this is incredible. I am. I well, let, me, let, me just, let me just clarify something because I want to make it really clear. I don't regard myself as having arrived anywhere. Yeah. Uh, the only time I consider myself having arrived is when Google Maps says to me, you have arrived. <laughs> there you <laughs> That's go. That's the only time. And, uh, and sometimes I don't trust her. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Are you sure? Is this the right place? <laughs> uh, but I mean, I, I'm just so consumed with continuing to tell stories that help people release, that hook them in the soul and help them release their best selves. That man, I don't know that you've ever arrived. It's just continuing journey is the destination kind of motif is the way I think about it. I guess. Oh, absolutely. Way of putting it. Yeah, I like that. And and that journey means milestones, which yeah gives you that opportunity to look around and say, okay, I, I'm doing good, uh, yeah. doing good work in the world. So. Like that. Well, as long as people find meaning and value in it, then yeah, I'll continue doing it. When they don't, I'll find something else to do. Oh yeah. Uh, so you talked about continuing to tell stories, but if for some reason you could no longer tell any more stories, mm -hmm. this is this is the one that hooks them right here. What would that story? What would that last story look like for you? Oh man, last story would be the first story because it's how it all started for me. Mm -hmm. um, our older daughter. I was about three or four years old and I was sitting in my recliner. This is back in the days when, you know, you actually held a newspaper in your hand. And uh, so I was sitting in my, my recliner and I'm sure I was looking at something really important, like stock reports, baseball box scores, you know, something really important, life changing, rearranging. So I'm sitting there, I got my paper up and daughter walks up on the other side of the paper and she says, daddy, I want to tell you something. And I said, didn't put the paper down. Okay. Turn the page. And I couldn't see her, but I just imagine her with her hands on her hips, right? <laughs> Mom taught her well. Uh, Daddy, I want to tell you something. And I was like, I said, go ahead. Well, unbeknownst to me, she took her little hand, took a step closer, reached back and smashed my newspaper. Well, you know the effect that has on dogs, right? I mean, it, it doesn't hurt them, but it immediately gets their attention. It works on dads too, right? 
so it, it was like when my newspaper got smashed, it propelled me. I, I put the recliner feet down and I found myself this close to her, you know, nose to nose, eye to eye. And she said to me, this three-year-old, daddy, I want you to listen to me with your eyes. Hmm. And that's what literally propelled me on the journey where I find myself today. I'm listening with my eyes, man. And you can too. <laughs> That's good, man. That's mm. good. I love that. The the genius of a three-year-old, right? I mean, Jesus said it, right? You have to be like the child. That's right. Yeah, that's incredible. Yep. Well, thank you for that one last story. That was really good, Joey. Um, thank you, brother. So where can people uh, easily find you? I mean, obviously Google works, but uh, <laughs> whether it's the map or just Don't the search engine. That, that brings up some things I just seem to know. What's the central place for you, man? Uh, getpositive.today. Getpositive.today. If uh, you're on Amazon, all of our books are on Amazon. Uh, as I said, they're audible as well. But getpositive.today is where we roll out um, three videos. Uh, live positive is on Mondays and Fridays. And so that lasts about a minute, maybe a minute, 10 seconds. Then on Tuesdays we have faith positive TV and that's where we're just unpacking faith and work for you. Uh, telling stories that, that help hook you in the soul, right? Thursdays is faith positive radio. And that's where I sit with incredible people like you who tell their stories of faith and work and how their faith helps them face the challenges of working in the world today. And then on Wednesdays, uh, coaching you to work positive. Then those videos are about three minutes, but just really giving you some very practical tips and strategies uh, along with some stories for how you can work positive in a negative world. That's awesome. So get positive dot today. Yeah. We're on LinkedIn and Facebook and all, you know, wherever, wherever you are, that's where we are. So. <laughs> Understand that. Yeah. Cool. We'll, we'll have those uh, links in the show notes, of course. So oh, thanks, man, buddy. thanks for spending time with me today, Joey. I appreciate it very much. Oh, what a pleasure for me to, to be able to talk about telling stories and with you, because you know, I'm a big fan. Thank you so much to our guest, Dr. Joey Fawcett. Joey is an incredible guy, a uh, wonderful storyteller, as you heard. Uh, and if you want to connect with him, be sure to visit him online. The uh, links are down in the show notes, of course. Uh, get positive dot today. And uh, yeah, just connect with Joey, man. I tell you what, he he brings a joy to my life uh, through those social media connections, through having conversations. Uh, you need to connect with him for sure and get his book, uh, Faith Positive in a Negative World. If you go and there's on the video there. Um, Faith Positive in a Negative World. It's a great read, as he said. Uh, easy to read. Uh, easy to get through recover to cover. So do that. Uh, and hey, if you enjoyed the episode here with, with Joey, please consider sharing it all over the place. Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, Snapchat, uh, post it, no handwritten on a, uh, on a napkin. I don't care where you put it to share it with other storytellers. We appreciate that. And if you enjoy what we're doing, uh, please consider leaving us a review, uh, Apple podcast. In fact, uh, Sarah Parrish left us a review. She, not only were they partners for us, but she listens and, and I love that. And she said that uh, Dan, you knocked that out of the park. Your show is packed with great stories with successful entrepreneurs sharing their stories that everyone can use to uh, improve themselves in business, family, and life in general. I can't wait to hear your next episode. So Sarah, thank you so much for that. Uh, gosh, I'm glad we're making an impact. So that's important to me. Uh, so there you go. Leave us a review and maybe I'll read it on, on the next episode for you. So until next time, here's to telling our stories and having stories to tell. Cheers. Thank you.